Good morning. It is good to see you here. We're going to pray before we begin, uh, and especially we'd ask that you would remember the sermon. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that we've seen you at work this week. We thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for being a father who asks us to come. Uh, we don't have uh, a God who is distant from the brokenhearted. You are close, and still at the same time, uh, your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are not our thoughts. But Lord, we know that you invite us into the throne room of you who created the universe, who put the stars in the sky and put the planets in motion, who separated land from water, uh, who sets captives free, who slays giants, who heals the, the blind, the deaf, the lame. And you invite us to come and pour our hearts out before you. And Lord, you know the desires of our hearts. Uh, we are uh, hurting for the Thurmans and what they've been going through. And so, Lord, we ask that you would continue uh, to heal the body of our sister, Anna. Lord, we know that uh, you made her um, and her womb to bring forth life in this world, and she has. And we thank you for uh, her children and Olivia, who is, uh, who is continuing to improve. But, Lord, we ask that you heal her body now and that you would make her strong. You know uh, that we, uh, we hurt for people that are hurting, and we know that you do too. And so, Lord, we ask, raise her blood pressure. Uh, we ask that you get her kidneys and her liver and her other organs to functioning well. We ask that you strengthen her. Let her get off the vent. Let her be breathing on her own. Uh, let this be part of a mighty testimony that she shares with other people of how you brought her back from the valley of the shadow of death. And so, Lord, we ask all of these things because we know you led us. We get to come and say, turn your mighty head this way and put your mighty right hand uh, in this place. And so we ask that, Lord. But our faith is not in what you do. It is in who you are. And you are our Father and you are good. And so, Lord, we come and our worship and our, um, our listening and our hearing and our seeing and our speaking and our praying and our songs will be towards you. Lord, we also thank you for uh, this kingdom here in this place. And, Lord, we ask you to be with uh, Joey Tombrella, pastor at First Baptist Church today. Uh, new to this city and I know what that can be and he is being loved well by his church and I know what that's like but Lord we ask that you bless him and his family as they settle in bless that church let them be people who spread the gospel with boldness and with tenderness and let us be that as well Lord, we want uh, your kingdom to come and for your will to be done here as it is in heaven and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus amen, amen. all right so, if you have not been with us, we, let me kind of catch you up a little bit. We've been going through the book of John for just a little while. And while we go through the book of John, we have taken a little mini-series within a series, and we've been going through the I Am text. There are these places throughout the story of Jesus' ministry that in particular the Apostle John has grabbed onto. And he said, I thought these were very important. And so he made sure to include those in his writings of what Jesus was like. And so we've been going through these. I am the bread of life. I am the shepherd. I am the gate. All of these different things that he's been saying. And, and today is I am the way and the truth and the life. And, and the scripture that was read by Kay just a little while is a pretty well-known scripture. A lot of you know it. You might have been kind of even repeating it in your head there. Is this scripture where he starts off with, with saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. And by the way, this, this paragraph is, a, is, a, is really a feel-good paragraph to start with, right? 
I mean, if you take this just right there without the context, it's, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't worry. Be happy. Right? I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I do, I'm going to come get you, and I'm going to bring you to this place. And if you don't know the way, don't worry. I'm the way and the truth and the life. And so you look at this and you go, man, that is really a great phrase, and it makes me feel really good. Well, one of the things that, you, and you know me, man, I'm going to get into context. Let's look at this. Because what's happening is this statement doesn't exist on its own just out there alone. This actually occurred at what we know as the Last Supper, right? This happened during the Last Supper. They're gathered together. This is the time right before Jesus is going to go to the cross. They're all gathered together, and they're having this dinner. And you need to know that this is an awkward dinner. This thing took a turn right before he said this, okay? This dinner went from this normal time where what they're going to do is they're going to celebrate the Passover, and the guest of honor, Jesus, ended up having to get up and basically wash everybody's feet because nobody else would do it. And I don't know if you've ever been to a dinner party where the guest of honor got up and maybe took out your trash in the middle of the dinner because you didn't do it and it's spilling over everywhere. Or he did the dishes or he started sweeping your floor. Certainly not washing your feet. But the idea that a guest of honor would get up and do this made things very awkward. And then you need to know right after he did that and things got kind of awkward... It even got worse uh, it, it, during that time. He called Judas out for his treachery that would come. He said, one of you is going to betray me. And so he points out the person who's going to do that. And that's pretty awkward. And then Jesus starts talking about his own death. And that's kind of weird at a dinner party. And then finally, he calls Peter basically a coward and a liar. And right at the end of that time is when he decides to say these words. Now, I've been to some awkward dinners before. But you need to know, this is a lot, Right? I've been to some before, and I don't know about you, I've been, been to a couple of dinners before where we went to somebody's, uh, gathered with another couple, and maybe the couple kind of turned on each other during the meal and started arguing with one another, and that's awkward, right? They're arguing with each other, and you're trying to figure out exactly what's going on. My daughter, who I've told y'all is uh, the one who's about to get married, uh, when she met some of her future in-laws, uh, it was a real awkward dinner because what had happened was she was with her future fiance, and it was the week right around Halloween. And they said, hey, we're going to have some people over to the house. This is his brothers and friends and their boyfriends and girlfriends and all of this. And, and one of them was saying, hey, we're going to have some folks over for dinner. And, and just so you know, we dress up. And so my daughter said, great. So she and her boyfriend, the future fiance, they dressed up. One of them was like a Domino's pizza guy. And then the other one was, I think, like a Starbucks worker or something like that. Well, you need to know, we dress up can mean two different things, <laughs> right? So they show up for dinner in costumes. Everybody else is wearing really nice fall clothes because they like to have a nice dinner and dress up. So she walks in, and of course, she and her boyfriend are looking around and going, oh, no. So while everybody else was wearing these nice sweaters, tie, and that sort of thing, sitting down, she goes, I'm dressed as Domino's delivery guy. I just had to eat. It's like I'm meeting these people. They think I'm an idiot. That's just the way it goes, right? So there's awkward dinners, and then there's awkward dinners. You need to know this one that was supposed to be a Passover dinner, which is a pretty solemn thing, and it's got a routine, and it's got a way of going. There's a certain way that the Passover dinner happens, and you need to know Jesus threw all kinds of wrenches into this. This was not the way this is supposed to go. He's not supposed to be getting up, tying a towel around his waist, and washing everybody's feet. 
He's not supposed to be going, announcement, one of you is going to betray me. And I'm pointing out who it is. By the way, I'm going to die. And then when Peter says what he says about, I won't let that happen, he goes, yeah, well, that's not true. And the fact is, you're going to be a coward through all of this. And right at the end of that is where our scripture comes in today. And you need to know, here's one of the things that's really interesting is between chapter 13, and we're going to be going back and forth. If you've if you got your, your Bible or you've got your journal, we're going to be going back and forth between 13 and 14 because these are tied together. But if you were to take the end of 13 and put it together with the start of 14, because you need to know when this is all written down, chapters, verses were not part of it. We added that later. Okay, so the idea that we go, well, that's the end of chapter 13. Jesus didn't speak and go, end of chapter 11, now I'll be starting chapter 12. He doesn't do that, okay? We added that later. So if you look at it together, this is what it looks like. Let's do 37 through 1. So Peter said to him, this is after Jesus said, I'm going somewhere, okay? I'm going somewhere. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow. Sorry, got lost there. Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. Do you see how that's a little bit different when you put those together? This idea where he's going, this dinner has really taken this turn. It's very difficult. There's these accusations that have happened, and the thing's falling apart. Man, this is not the way Passover is supposed to go. And then in the midst of that, after he says, Peter, you are not only not going to lay down your life for me, you're going to deny me three times tonight. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it weren't so, then would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will return again and I will gather you to me. And that's where this happens, is in the midst of a very awkward and difficult time, Jesus added exactly what was needed to a pretty difficult party. That's when he says, I want you to know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is just what the people at this needed. I want to tell you, I know you've seen there's, there's portrait paintings, right, of what it may have been like, the Last Supper, where they're all sitting around and they're kind of looking at each other. I have a feeling that a more accurate one would have been of people going like this. you got 12 people looking around going, what's going on? What is happening here? And in the midst of that, you have Jesus going, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what they did not have among the 12 of them, that they didn't get. We're going to find out Thomas doesn't know the way, Peter doesn't know the truth, and Jesus and Judas doesn't believe in the life. And so there's no, it's not just a little saying that Jesus made, is I'm the way, the truth, and the life. They needed to know, here's what the way is, here's what's true, and here's where life is. That's what they were desperate to know. And so Jesus does what he always does. He says the right thing at the right time to the right people. All of those things we're missing here, and Jesus will provide it. So we're going to look at that. Now, I'm going to switch the order up a little bit, because I know he says way and the truth and the life. But here's the thing. We're going to start with the truth. Because the truth, what you believe to be true and what you really believe, affects everything. It affects the way you act. It affects where you go. It affects how, what you do in every single way is what you believe. And so we're going to start with the truth, okay? And Peter in particular. Peter's having a hard time with what's true and what's not. 
He's really struggling with that. He uses this strong language right there at the end of the chapter. This where he says, well, I'll go with you. And he said, yeah, you can't go with me. And he said, well, I'll lay down my life for you. And bless his heart, you can just see Jesus going, really? Is that what you're going to do? Because let me tell you the truth about you. You're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to be what you think you're going to be when it gets really difficult. You're not going to be the one who's going to be able to step forward and to take care of everything in that way. You don't really know the truth about you. And this is not the first time just in this dinner that this happened. Peter, man, with his mouth saying the things that we all wonder about. Just earlier in verses 6 through 8, when Jesus decided he was going to wash all their, all their feet, it was Peter who spoke up again and said this. He came to Simon Peter, that was Jesus, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing to you, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Peter doesn't know the truth. He doesn't know the truth of what's going on here. And so he says things like, you will never wash me. I will lay down my life for you. He's missing what's true in all of this. The idea with Peter is to go, no, Jesus, my Lord, you can't submit this way. You can't serve this way. You can't go and die. These are all wrong. None of these things are right. I won't let you serve me in this way. I won't let, as a matter of fact, anything happen to you. It is wrong for you to humble yourself. It's wrong for you to humiliate yourself. Instead, I'll do it. I'll die to make sure that something doesn't happen to you. And you realize he's so off on the truth. He's so wrong. I won't let you lay down your life. I'll lay down my life. When I picture Jesus looking at him with sympathy and with frustration, I go, Peter, you have no idea what you're talking about. This so is where the words that we all think about is Satan is asked if he can sift you like wheat. You do not have what it takes to withstand the fear that's coming towards you, the accusations, the hardship, the difficulty that's coming this way. What you believe about yourself and what you believe about me, both are wrong. You just don't have the truth right now of what's about to happen. And you don't have the strength to fight off the fear, and the lies that are hitting you right now. It will be very difficult for you. And what's amazing is you have Peter boasting in his own courage and in what he'll do, and what he doesn't realize is that the one thing he won't be able to handle is actually what is Jesus' plan. You're trying to prevent all of this from happening, and I'm trying to tell you the truth is you cannot do that. You don't have what you need to do that. You don't get to stop me from laying down my life you're not getting the truth about you or about me, but you will. You'll understand. Then there's the way. Everybody likes to know the way. You know, whether it's the destination or maybe the directions on the way there, we like to know the way. I like to know what's going on. I'm one of those people. Control issues, I don't know if you're like that. I like to know what the plan is, how we're going to get there, what we're going to do. I don't know if i got any folks in here like that. Let me tell you, my family is this whole way. So we went on a trip, the Warners, we went on a trip to see my sister in Raleigh, North Carolina years ago. And we got there and we decided, we rented a, a house on the beach. So we're going from Raleigh to the beach and we're taking like four cars. 
we had to have five maps because nobody trusted anybody else to lead. By the way, maps are these things, kids, that we used to use before the phone had the thing on it. This is an actual map. This was years ago, just so you know. This was years ago. And so what we had is we had four drivers. We had five maps. We actually stopped at a gas station because the idea was if you're driving, Art, and am I driving, and they go, you just follow me, and you go, no, nah, I, I, I need my own map. I need, to, I need to know my own way, so we get you a map. And then this person is driving, Mickey's driving, and you go, I need my own way. And then Peggy's not even driving. She's just sitting over there. She wants her own map. And the next thing you know, everybody's got to have their own directions for the destination. And it's because we didn't know where we were going. And nobody had any trust. So everybody wanted control in their own hands. And everybody wants their own map. That's what it's like for us when we don't know what's going on. We start reaching for control, start trying to figure out the destination and to know the way. And of course, we look at this and Jesus says, you know the way. And then we finally have Thomas who gets a bad rap going. I don't, right? Thomas, who's called Doubting Thomas, which I think is unfair, finally says, I think what everybody else is thinking. Have you ever been in a class like that? I remember I was in a class one time and the teacher started talking about something and I'm looking around and I'm like, nobody knows what he's talking about and nobody has the guts to raise their hand and go, we're lost. Thomas is the guy who goes, hey, listen, I know you said that we know the way. I, I got to tell you, I don't know where you're going and I don't know the way. And he wasn't the only one. None of them did. When I said Thomas doesn't know the way, I'm saying Thomas is speaking for the rest of them. And I don't blame them because looking in hindsight now, we look and we go, how come they didn't get it? You know, Jesus kept telling them over and over again what he was going to do, and I don't get why they don't get it. And really, you can see Thomas kind of going, look, here's the deal, man. You, you talk in riddles. You tell stories. On one hand, you say that you're setting up a kingdom that you're going to rule over. Then the next minute, you're going to talk about going and dying. And those two things don't go together. And we look at it now and we seem to understand why you, uh, you need to know during that time, no one had ever done anything like this before. No one ever planned a kingdom on their own death. No one ever said, the way that I'm going to make this happen is going to die and then I'm going to be resurrected again. So it's no wonder that they didn't get this. And they're going, I don't know the way that you're going. I don't get it. None of them did. Judas and Peter, who we'll keep talking about with this because they played a big part in that dinner, neither one of them knew the way. As a matter of fact, they both kept trying to make it on their own. I'll make my own way in this. You know, with Judas, there's a case to be made, and I've done a lot of reading on this, but there's a case to be made that a lot of scholars believe that what Judas was doing when he betrayed Jesus and turned him over, that it wasn't because he didn't believe in Jesus at all, it was because he was wanting to instigate Jesus taking over and becoming king. I'm going to push him. I'm going to force him into this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and hand him over. And when I hand him over, he'll have to step up and he'll show his power. And he'll do what he's supposed to do. And he'll take over the Romans and he'll rule Jerusalem and he'll bring the kingdom back the way that he is. There's an argument. I don't know if that's true or not. But no matter whether it is or not, what you have is Judas going, I'll make the way. I don't need you to do it, Jesus. I'm going to do it. No matter what, I'll do it. And I wonder, there's this really fascinating interaction between Jesus and Judas at the dinner. Chapter 13, verses 26, if you go back a little bit at this same dinner. 
Jesus had said, one of you is going to betray me. And when they asked who, Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I've dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Let me tell you a little bit about this. I don't know if the significance would be lost on him. The idea in the culture during that time, the idea that I would take a piece of bread and dip it for you and hand it to you was actually a very common thing. And what it had to do with is it had to do with trust and friendship and a bonding, right? Like, I wouldn't go with Chad out to eat at uh, Mama Cita's and dip his chip for him and hand it to him. That's gross. But during the first century, the idea that you would take some bread and dip it and hand it to somebody was a sign of honor. This idea that I'm going to dip this and I'm going to hand it to you. And I don't know if it was lost on Judas or not, but to go, you're sitting in a room with a guy who said, I'm the bread of life. And here he is giving you bread. I don't know if he missed it. And I don't know if the thought maybe with Jesus was maybe one more piece of bread because Judas had been living off the bread of Jesus for years. That maybe Jesus thought maybe one more piece of bread will change his heart. And it didn't. And so that's why he sent him on his way to do what he was going to do. Judas was making his own way, wasn't interested in Jesus' way. And then there's Peter. Peter had the same thing. It's not your way I'm looking for. I got my own way. And my own way is to keep you from humiliating yourself and you from submitting yourself and to let me lay down my life. And this will all be about my courage and it'll be about me standing forward and it'll be about what I do. Peter going, I'm trying to find my own way here. And neither one of them were looking at the way that Jesus was talking about. I think it's fascinating, too, that here they are at a dinner that is supposed to be celebrating and remembering the exodus of God's people from slavery to freedom. And this is the conversation that Judas and Peter are having with Jesus. It was this exodus that they're supposed to be remembering. It's this time where what happened was God led us from slaves to free. He led us from one place to another. He made from, from people who didn't have our own identity to a people that were going to be gods. We're leaving from one place and we're going to another one and we're following God the whole time because he's light and he's smoke and we follow him and this is what we do and he shows us the way and at the same time you have all of them going, we don't know the way. He goes, right in front of you. He's trying to lead you from one place to another. And they're going, we don't know the way. Who's going to show us? Who's going to guide us? And so it was important for Jesus at that time to go, I'm the way. Then finally, there's the life. The way, the truth, and the life. And this is a big one too, because here's the thing. If you believe in the truth and you follow the way, then you'll find the life. But if the other two don't work, you're going to have real problems. And we can see that in particular with what happens between these two people, right? It, it, it's really interesting when you start parsing these words out of the way that Jesus has been talking. Because one of the things that he says is, I'm the way. And he talks about going to a place. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. So he's talking about where he's going to his father's house. Now, earlier in John, he talked a few times about my father's house. He said, I have zeal for my father's house. Don't turn my father's house into a place of trade. And one of the, those times he was talking about the temple, right? So he's talking about my father's house was the temple, which was supposed to be the dwelling place of God. But then after that, Jesus switches, and then he calls the temple his body. 
Because when they come to him, he says, if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it back up in three days. So he went from my father's house to the temple to my body. And now you have Jesus going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And the place that I'm going to prepare for you has many dwelling places within it. There are places for you to be. And the interesting thing is he doesn't say, I'm going to go to another place, and then what I'm going to do is come back and get you and take you to another place. What he says is that I'm going to go prepare this place for you, and then when I come, I'm going to bring you to me because I'm the temple now. I'm the dwelling place of God. And so what I'm doing is I'm taking this body, and I'm going to go let it go through some things to prepare a place for you. And then I'll bring you to me and to my body, and you will dwell with me. The problem was one of them kind of got it, and the other one didn't. Judas wasn't able to understand that for you to have life, there's got to be a death that comes first, and then you're reborn. And so when Jesus died, Judas made the most difficult and awful and wrong-minded and wrong-hearted decision that he could when he took his own life. Peter, on the, other, on the other hand, finally found a way back, and you go, you know where there's life? It's in the resurrected Christ. That's where I come for life. And he learned about that and got his second chance at life, that that's where it is. It is in the resurrected Jesus. That's where life is. Both of them, Judas and Peter, needed to believe what's true about themselves and what's true about Jesus. Both needed Jesus to make a way. Both needed to know the truth, follow the way, and then have life. One of them did and one of them didn't. That's still our call today, is to believe the truth about who Jesus is and about who he says you are. And then to make sure that after you believe the truth that you follow the way. And then that we'll have life with that. You know, it, it, there's... There's a time where later the followers of Jesus were called this thing. As a matter of fact, you can see it in Scripture in Acts. When Paul went to go look for him, he got letters to go look for believers so that he could throw them in jail. And what it says is he went to go look for people who belonged to the way. That's what they were called. They were people of the way. That was one of the, the, the uh, terms that was used then. And what that is is that is people that are following. They belonged to away. They didn't just get away. In other words, they didn't just get a ticket punched for someday after they die, they get to go to heaven. Instead, they belonged to a way of living. They belonged to Christ. They saw this is the way you live. This is the way we operate. This is the way that God works within his people. This is the way people go from slave to free, from lost to redeemed, from sinful to forgiven. This is the way. This is the way of Christ. And for us, we need to know that that's what this is when Jesus claims, I am the way and the truth and the life. This is not something that will happen for you off in the future once you die. This is the way we live now. This is our way. Our way is in the way of Christ. It is the way that we are part of his mission. It's the way that we operate. It's the things that we do. It's the way that we live. It's the way the world has changed is that Christ has given over to us the way. And when we walk in the way, then the kingdom of God comes to earth. This is our way. And when we understand the truth and we see that Jesus made the way, then there's life. And it's life that begins now.
For those of us that are believers, we know. We know. We've come to believe the truth. We know that Jesus made the way for us, and we know that we've started this new life that begins now. I want you to know, if you haven't made that decision yet, we want you to know how easy this is. It's much easier than what Judas and Peter made it to be. When Jesus said, I have many dwelling places in my father's house, one of the things that he meant is for deniers, for betrayers, for anybody else. There's a place for Peter. There was a place for Judas. There was a place for anybody in that dwelling place. I've got a place for you. Many, many rooms. Anyone can come. All you have to do is understand what the truth is about God and about you and understand that he made a way and then give yourself to that. We would love to talk to you about that if there's any way that we can. We would love to show you the way in that Jesus made. We'd love to tell you about how you can have a new life with him. You can look for any of us after church and we would love to do that. We're gonna spend a little time in prayer now, but it, before we do, if you would please stand. We're gonna have a couple of songs and while we have these songs, we're gonna have an opportunity for us to pray with one another, for you to pray with someone around you. Uh, if you wanna pray for the Thurmans, we know that there's opportunity to do that together. together. If you see uh, somebody, a father that you wanna go and pray with, uh, you wanna pray over your father right then, then there's an opportunity to do that. If you wanna just pray that we'll be able to remember the truth and the way that Jesus had, and just be thankful that he's given us life in that way, then we invite you to do that. You can pray with any of us. We'll have elders around, ministers, uh, pray with each other. We just want to take this opportunity to remember our Christ. Let's, let's pray and then we'll sing. Lord God, we do thank you for the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, we know that Jesus said those words because they were desperately needed among his followers. And we still desperately need them. We need to remember the way, the truth, the life. Lord, we need to remember that this is not something we need to take on of our own. We don't have the way. You do. And so we submit to that. Lord, we need to remember the truth that you are God and that we don't have to for, be good enough. We don't have to make sure that uh, we earn your love, that you have given that to us freely, that we have grace and we have mercy. And it has been uh, just uh, thrown over us. That we've been drowned in it if we will just accept it. And so, Lord, we want that new life that comes from being yours. Help us remember that we are the righteousness of God in Christ now, that we have eternal life with you, that that begins now. We need not worry and we need not fear. We are people of yours. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray all this. Amen.